You're listening to Denver Wine Radio, the podcast about Colorado wine. My name is Paul Bonaquisti. I'm the winemaker at Bonaquisti Wine Company, an urban winery I launched back in 2006 in Denver, Colorado, where I've been making and learning about wine ever since. I'm sitting down with other wineries and wine experts to find out what makes Colorado wine so unique and to help you find the wines you like to drink. And now, let's put some altitude in your glass. Welcome to Denver Wine Radio. Brad Page from Colorado Cider Company in the house. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Colorado Cider Company. I can remember, I remember the first time I met you because you came in here into the winery and I don't remember why you came in. You don't remember what I was selling? I don't know. Yeah, I just, I remember uh, there was. It was a tasting of some sort. It might have been, but I remember. Keith Miller was, uh, he's, I haven't seen him for a while, but, uh, we were in here doing a thing talking about wine and, uh, and then you came in, maybe you just came to visit, but then you'd mentioned you were getting ready to open a cidery. Oh, that's right. I remember that. And, um, and you were telling us about it. Uh, both Keith and I thought you were nuts. (laughs) (laughs) You were right. We, we knew nothing about cider. We were like, after you left, we were like, oh my God, what's this guy doing? So <laughs> what are you doing? And I already, I think that was probably 10, 12 years ago. Cause how long, uh, tell me about Colorado yeah, well, Cider so Company. We, I mean, we, we sold our first cider in April of 11. So we started, we were working in our, I guess we leased our space in the fall of 2010. So 10 years plus. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What is cider? Because, and I know, I, I know what it is, but. For, well, for those of our, our friends listening. I mean, the traditional definition and sort of the way the government classifies it. Yeah. Is, I mean, they can't classify it as a fruit wine, but I mean, cider is a fermented fruit beverage made from apples. So, you know, the big places go. that make it historically were uh, France, Spain, and the UK. I mean, there are ciders in Northern Italy and Germany, but the three big three cider um, countries are Spain, France, and UK. So, I mean, in the United States, it's was something that existed obviously um, when people were settling the country and bringing apples over from Europe and apples grew real, real well on the East coast and they were fermenting anything they could. There weren't a lot of grapes around. I don't know. I, ma- I imagine the, the French were trying to do some stuff up in Quebec, but I mean, cider was just sort of the farm stand fermentable before. Yeah. A bunch of Germans came over and, and they started cultivating uh, barley, but uh, it's got a long history. And then it was disappeared for years. And so people kind of blame it on prohibition, but I think it was sort of pre-prohibition. And so this has a little, been a little renaissance in cider in the last 15 years, I'd say. And, yeah. Uh, so you could, cause were you, were you the first cidery in Colorado? Uh, there was a, a guy over on the Western Slope in Cedar Edge, Sean Carney, that had blossom wood. He was growing some apples over there, very small. He was doing mostly um, farmer's markets, made great stuff. Um, he's he's no longer making cider, but uh, so I was technically the second. And then there's about that's pretty good. 15 to 20 here now. <laughs> yeah, so, 15 to 20. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, a, you're the cider pioneer of yeah. Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you are. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, so cider, like you said, yeah, it's been growing in popularity because, but it's still, 
I, I think most people, at least, you know, coming into the winery here, and I tell them, hey, we, we have cider, and that's for the people that kind of curl their face at wine. <clears throat> they really want to have a beer. Right. So I, I, uh, I point them in that direction, but, um, it's gotten better, but most people, they would, they think cider and they, they think the non-alcoholic sweet juice you would buy at the shelf on the store. Yeah. So, um, I mean the term cider in, in the rest of the world, uh, means fermented yeah. uh, apple juice. So I, you know, there's different, uh, stories about why cider became, uh, basically juice. Most people kind of think of it as fresh press, cloudy from the farm stand, but really, you know, if you ask a Brit or a Frenchman or a Spaniard, they, they just call that apple juice, right? So cider means alcohol. So, you know, it's a thing we've been trying to work on, but it, I don't know. I mean, it, you, you can't really tell people you, you, you stupid person <laughs> who calls it. This. Yeah, you so, can't so, do you that. Know, but I mean, it's, it's changed quite a bit. So, I mean, it, uh, people know uh, when they hear cider now that oh, it could be, could have alcohol in it. I mean, we we still run into people that ask, "Is there alcohol in this?" And yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's although most of it's lower, it's, it's basically a lower alcohol. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, legally, it, it can't be over six well, percent or something. Eight like and a half percent is the. I mean, we got we had the law changed a few years back nationally, because it okay. used to be seven. So now it's eight and a half. I mean, basically it's because of how much sugar is in apples. So, you know, wine is, what do you think of wine? 12 to 15? Yeah. yeah. That's just because of the density of sugar in the grapes, right? Right. So an apple's the same thing. And so it was 7% because the Brits had come over and had the law changed in the nineties. Cause they were the only ones that were selling cider over here. And they, they, it was a big company, Bulmers, and they were making, you know, sort of more sweet, soda pop type, uh, ciders. So they didn't really want to go over seven. And I mean, it's still the majority of ciders made in the U S now are made from dessert fruit and, and five and six, five to 6%. Um, and, uh, that's the majority of the market, but it's, it's changed significantly. And that a lot of people are growing out traditional cider apples and which is more like wine. There's flavors in cider apples that are more like wine grapes and there's tannin and things. And, but that's still a, just a teeny tiny part of the market. So yeah, uh, what are there, what are some of those? So yeah, let's talk about the those that those cider apples. Right. But then in general, um, you can make cider for many apples too. Yeah, right? I mean, uh, I always say it's it's a li- it's a little bit like table grapes and wine grapes. Okay. So the market, uh, from a cost standpoint, there's so many uh, dessert apples, basically culinary apples. People are eating eating apples that are in the market, that that's where most of the juice comes from. And and those apples are generally sweeter and just don't have a lot of flavor besides sweetness. Mm-hmm. So if you think about fermenting those, it's like all you get is uh, the alcohol from the sugar and not a whole lot of background. Um, I guess it'd be kind of like making wine from table grapes. You know, the, right. You know, that's the analogy <laughs> I always use. That's a good analogy. So, I, um, I mean, the traditional ciders, uh, in, in places in like in Europe and probably even in the United States way back when were apples that had tannin. And I mean, the, the British have the best term for cider apples. They call them spitters because there's really not something you want to eat, but they're great for fermenting. Um, cause the, cause they're bitter yeah, or, well, or, or more acid higher. Well, I mean, there's different ones. I mean, so what most cider makers are trying to grow are bitter sweets, 
which are high tannin, high sugar. There's bitter sharps, high acid, high tannin. Um, sharps mean acid. It's interesting that apples that are grown here in the Western Slope tend to be higher acid than, if you think about most dessert apples like you buy in the grocery store, mostly from Washington. Besides a Granny Smith, you might have um, Pink Ladies or a little higher acid, but most of them are pretty low in acid and, and high in sugar. Uh, so the, the cider apples people are trying to cultivate, tannin is really what people are looking for. Just to have some, I always call it sort of an earthy structure. It's just more like a red wine, I guess I would say. Yeah. I'm not as robust, obviously. So the other, um, this past weekend, I opened a bottle of your Newtown Pippin. Pippin, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now Newtown Pippin is sort of a, used to be a commercial apple that was grown a lot. I think it's originally from... New Jersey or Long Island. It's a, it's a West East coast apple. And that, that's actually the apple. I think that, uh, Martinelli's makes, uh, all oh, really? yeah. yeah. So it's a really interesting apple. It's got a little bit of a banana character to it. And, um, so most of those sort of heirloom apple varieties kind of disappeared because it became more about what you could truck and would keep and wouldn't bruise or wouldn't get mealy. So that's why when you you know you go to the grocery store that you only have eight varieties of apples and you know there's thousands of varieties of apples but uh, yeah you don't see very many of them in the grocery store so but the Newtown Pippins become a popular one for cider makers um, depending on where you can live um, we we have some in our orchard on the Western Slope I'm not sure it's something that will be a keeper for us but uh, I think we have like 50 trees or something. You planted orchards. Yeah. So, I mean, we, how long ago? Uh, 2013 was our first planting. And then, oh, um, wow. how long does it take for uh, an orchard to take? Well, I'm trying to think this. You've got this block one here. We're just about to label our sixth season. So, oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so you plant an orchard and it takes, you get three, four years. You can start four to years probably get some apples. apples. Yeah. But even that first and then block, it grows in. Yeah. It's, then that's maturing and we're getting more apples. We, we also have, so we have about 4,000 trees. Um, the fourth block we planted uh, two years ago. And we're planning an extension of that next year. It's a lot of work, even <laughs> about four acres of apples we've got. So really, my wife Kathy and I do all the work, so besides picking. And that depends on what the year's like. It's been last year was not a very good year, but variable. I'm just, just sure yeah, it's like the grapes. <laughs> yeah, just like grapes, the weather. Uh, weather can snap you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And two years ago, there was a day in the fall in October that it went from like 60 to zero overnight and man, it just yeah it knocked a lot of people on their butts. Yeah. October. Yeah. Was, <laughs> October, 2020. <laughs> yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So, and your, so your orchards are in Hotchkiss. Hotchkiss. Yeah. Yeah. A great area to grow fruit. Yeah. And, I mean, that's traditionally apples. what was there? Cherries, grapes, yeah. um, Pears, yeah. yeah, and I, we've had some good pears. We planted some pears, and so the analogy of the cider apples are peri pears, and uh, some of these they're little tannin bombs. I mean, they're, I mean, they you eat one of these things and you can't generate enough spit to spit it out. It's, it's like unbelievable. So that little of that goes a long way. But um, we've got some dessert pears. We probably about seventy five percent dessert pear and twenty five percent peri pears. They're nice. And then pear cider, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. Perry is sort Perry, of a term, the, yeah. Is that a term I mean, for pear it? cider is something in the U.S. that people blend apple and pear, but. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Well, let's let's crack something open okay. today. Well, We've uh, got, uh, there's four, right? We have four ciders. 
here to try? Well, the lightest thing is this Radla that you have. Do you want to, you want to try that? You drink this all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's we carry that one. All right. let's, so, let's do the block one. Yeah. So this is the first one we uh, we made from our apples. from your apples. Yeah, from yeah. the very first block of apples. All right. Um, so this and is I should have you uh, autograph my bottle. <laughs> But I've been holding on to this thing for five years. You're uh, telling me that's good. Yeah, I'm. So, yeah, <laughs> we're drinking cider out of a wine glass. Yeah, which is okay, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, but you we could, like to be fancy every we once could, in a while. Put it in anything. Yeah, yeah. Like All right, it. but we're. Uh, so what should I do? Should I sniff it just yeah, like yeah. wine? I call it. It's funny. It depends on. I do this thing in in uh, Michigan occasionally. There's a wine competition, and the guy that has done the styles calls that. I call it a blossom characteristic. He calls it fermentation, but on the nose, it just, it smells to me like apple blossoms. Wow. That is, it's really good. The dryness is what you get all the, it coats your mouth, but, and then of course it's carb, lightly carbonated, but I get all this flavor and uh, a really good body to it without the sweetness. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, people think also ciders are sweet and, and they're not, I mean, the French make, sort of sweeter ciders that they arrest the fermentation and they don't let them terminate completely. So there's some residual sweetness, but most people ferment them to dry. So there's no sugar left at all. All the sweetness is added back. So this is still after all that time, pretty good. So it has some tannin. We had, uh, I think four different bittersweets at the time here and some dessert fruit. But you know, a lot of people, when I first started getting into this, uh, the Body and Desire was a Michael Pollan book, and uh, PBS did a little documentary on it. And it was, have you ever read that? It's, no, I have not. It's about tulips, potatoes, tulips, apples, marijuana, maybe potatoes, and Body and Desire. But in the apple section, he interviews this guy, Steve Wood, is sort of the godfather of cider in the United States. And he always talks about, you know, if you, if you hand this to somebody and don't know what it is, and it's made from these cider apples, they wouldn't necessarily say apple. Because it's not, it doesn't taste like apple juice. No, <clears throat> no, not at all. They might think it's some funky wine. And I don't really, when I smell it, I don't, it doesn't roll me like it. Oh, apples. But no, it's not like, but a, I do, I definitely on the finish, yeah. like, uh, I do get an apple. I, I have an apple leftovers. Yeah. Aftertaste. <laughs> Aftertaste. Yeah. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. It's a little richer in color then. So the dessert fruit we use, for most of the ciders we make, because it's that's where the market is because of price and everything. I mean, it's a lot of it's very, very light in color. Well, this is delicious. This is called Block One. Block One. Because this is from your block. Your, yeah, and this the first block of apples. So. Yeah. And this was the first release. Right. Yep. I didn't even look. Is it vintage dated? You know, you don't do that with apples? Well, it's illegal. Is it really? And they will not let us put vintages on it wow they're really goofy about it could so you we, put a little description on the back that says yeah, some, hey we picked these apples well, in yeah, uh, october some of- people just put lot <laughs> lot 2015 uh, or yeah there's ways around the yeah, labeling there's ways around it but it's weird they they won't let us put even description of where we specifically grow it because when we have to get label approval for these if they're over seven percent so i get i just did one for our last year's pick and the ttb the uh our regulator said, uh, you can't say that because you're implying a viticulture area. And I'm like, well, these are apples, not grapes. Who that's right. Why is that a problem? And so well, it's in the code. You can't 
Cider can't do that. And it's like, well, that's stupid. They just I know they just quote the code for you. They don't have to explain. Or nothing. with those guys, you know, it depends. You may get two different guys and have the same label in, and they one says yes, and then another guy says no. Well, right. the other guy said yes. Well, I have no control over what the other guy says, but you work for the same people. And these apples are these are Newtown Pippin. No, no. so these or what are they called? Uh, so we had we have Northern Spy, Kingston Black, Golden Russet. Wixen Crab. At the time, we had Dabinet and Michelin, which are two bitter sharp, bitter sweets. I'm sorry. Um, we had Brown's Apple, Fox Whelp, and Major in this. And so, since then, we've regrafted over the Dabinet and the Michelin, um, and we have a couple other uh, bitter sweets there now. Let's see where's that? There's your um, there's your dump cup. All right. Um, I hope that's um, allowed in the cider well, sure. world because you know when you go to the beer world, and you, uh, they don't. Yeah, oh I, man, I judge beer for years, and if you saw a spitter at the table, everyone, <laughs> everyone gave him a dirty look. They did me when I at the Great American Beer yeah. Fest one year. It's <laughs> like, hey, dude, I want to taste some beer. I don't, I don't want to be drunk and dropping glasses so they can all yell <laughs> and roar. Yeah, different crowd. But um, you, you came from the beer industry. Yeah, right? I was a, uh, a brew pub brewer, craft brewer. Oh, yeah. yeah. So about 20 years. I started with uh, the guys that opened the Wing Coop back in 88. Wow. So you yeah, really, you're so. a beer pioneer too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're part, yeah, I mean, you're, yeah. you're I mean, brewing my, back when there was a handful no, of brewers. I mean, I, I think we opened, I was involved and in, still on a part of Cooper Smith's up in Fort Collins. We opened that in 89. I think we were the fourth brewery in the state. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been around for, for quite a bit of that. It's It's a whole different world now. Oh, yeah, crazy. Yeah, so uh, I say I'm a, I'm a recovering brewery, uh, brewmaster. <laughs> What's this, next? So Grasshopper is uh, something we made uh, coming from the beer world. I wanted to try something with hops. You know, we don't – we're winemakers, really, and so there's no hot side. We're not cooking anything. And in beer, yeah. you're putting hops in and boiling them to get bitterness, so – trying to figure out a way to get that characteristic. We came up with using lemongrass. It's a hopped cider with lemongrass. And this is actually the sweetest cider we make, but it's kind of balanced by the, uh, by the lemongrass we think. And uh, so this has been, I think this is the third cider we made. And so it's been a oh, regular wow. bars for, for over 10 years. Yeah, you smell the, smell the lemongrass immediately. Yeah, and the hops. Yeah. And the hops. Yeah. So it's very floral. It's got, a pretty round mouthfeel because there's a fair amount of sugar in. Wow, almost like a like tea. I mean, yeah, to I me, mean, I get I get this green tea type yeah, that's of profile from the lemongrass. From so the lemongrass, we, I mean, yeah. we basically steep it at room temperature. We don't heat anything up, but uh, so it sits on the lemongrass. It's interesting. We probably could talk about supply lines and with grapes and stuff now. So we usually get uh, lemongrass from Thailand. And all of a sudden can't get it. So we had to use Egyptian lemongrass. And so it's different, but you know, what you have to do what you have to do. Right. So right. <laughs> you know, we can tell the difference. I don't know. Uh, the consumer probably does as well if they're grasshopper fans, but, uh, but the rest of us, no, well, I don't know. Maybe yeah, we don't. I'm not gonna... <laughs> I couldn't tell you yeah. if this was Egyptian hey, this lemongrass. Is Egyptian lemongrass. <laughs> I'm not sure. Wow. But it smells delicious. I mean, it's so fragrant. I love yeah. this smell, and it, it is sweeter. Yeah, uh, but not. Um, it's not real cloying. Yeah, not cloying. So yeah, I mean, we don't. We try to be. I mean, a little sugar for as light as apples are 
especially with dessert fruit, if there's no, uh, there's no tannin structure or something you get from real cider apples, uh, um, or dry only has two grams of sugar, but it's just enough to give you just a little bit, a little bit of mouthfeel. Yeah. But most of our stuff is like our, our biggest seller is glider and that's five grams. I think this is, um, 12 grams. So that's the most, even our cherry, I think our cherry's eight. So, and we make all the stuff we make from our orchard is dry, completely dry. And you're, me- and you're measuring the same, like with wine would be eight grams per liter. Uh, or I eight, think it's per or, serving or per serving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So which is in, less than a uh, 1%, right? If yeah, you, yeah. if I read, if, if it translates correctly yeah. to me, I think, um, and there's probably in the wine world, it depends on who you ask what, what constitutes a dry wine. There's still some residual sugar in some dry wines, right? Uh, right. Yeah. And it, and it typically like in Riesling, in the case of Riesling, uh, it's measured in terms of the acid as well. Oh, so, right. cause yeah. you can have really high acid and, right. and you might have 2% residual sugar, but it tastes dry. It right. kind of falls in the dry scale. So, right, right. Yeah. but same thing in, same thing in wine and even in red wines. You can have a um, little bit of residual sugar in there, but any anything under anything, I don't, I don't know what the the rule of thumb is, but there you can you're allowed a little if you can right. call it dry. So, right. you know, I I had a wine rep early on. I think we were doing a tasting at a liquor store or something when we first started, and she said, "Oh yeah, and the adage, and it's sort of an old adage, is that people talk dry and drink sweet." <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and it's funny because. Like this, we'll have people in our tasting room say, oh, I, I, I really like dry ciders. Grasshopper is my favorite. And it's like, I told the guys that work in the tasting room, I go, just look, at don't say anything, just sort of nod because it's like, you don't want to tell them, well, that's the sweetest thing we've got. Right. So, and with the orchard stuff, sometimes like we'll do uh, cinnamon to be judged and stuff. We'll get feedback that this is, this is too sweet. There's no sugar in that. You're confusing flavor with sweetness. Right. It's two different things. Yeah, which is so common in wine that there's, especially in white wines, you can have fruity fruitiness without right. without residual sugar yeah, like because a, of your fermentation process. Right. When you ferment cold, you enhance that fruit. So a lot of people interpret that to be sweetness when it's really just fruit. Uh, it's the fruit characteristic. Right. So Same thing inside. I mean, we've, as an industry, we've sort of been our own worst enemy because we've put all these flavorings and stuff in. And so people are kind of confused as to what, you know, the purists say cider is just apple. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what the government says. And that's what the purists say, but the market is really, it's cider plus. So uh, most of the market is made with dessert fruit and there's something added into it for flavor. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> and that's why purists can drink, they can drink what they want to drink right, yeah, and everyone yeah. else, you know, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, and coming from the beer world and then kind of starting out in this, we look at things like the seltzer, a hard seltzer category, and it's just mystifying to me. I, I just don't get it, but I'm, I'm an old guy, so. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I asked my, my nieces who are in their 20s, and they're like, oh, it's, it tastes good, and there's no carbs. And The Radla is kind of your lowest your, alcohol. Your lowest four, alcohol, lightest cider. Yeah, 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 it's 4%. So, I mean, the dry... Six and a half. So, I mean, six and a half it slows you down a little bit more than a 4% one. So, but that's pretty much in the range of what it, what it is. Right. And you're not really altering it at all. Some of the guys, the old adage about 
adding water to get to alcohol. This, uh, this guy that used to teach these cider classes come on from UK. Always called them river apples. You use a lot of river apples in that. Because <laughs> that was the adding the water. Like, adding the water, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's what's fun about doing the things from the orchard. I mean, it is what it is. So, I mean, we don't do anything to it. We just, we press the apples and ferment it. And so, some years, like last year, I'm not sure why, but the gravities were a little lower. The, the bricks was a little lower than before. I mean, we have these golden russets, which are sort of a heirloom apple. They they came in one year at 25 bricks, which is pretty high for an apple. Wow, yeah. Uh, I w- yeah. And if you ferment that straight, it tastes like a Sauvignon Blanc or something. It's real. Sure. It has more of the, the alcohols and, are higher. And you'd be up around 13, 14%. Yeah. 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 But that's unusual. I never thought of that. But like when you're ready to harvest or you're getting close to harvest, you'd be just like grapes. You're checking... Juice levels, acid levels, right. sugar levels, all that pH. Yeah, mostly for us, it's sugar levels, and we do starch test on it uh, just to see if there's there's no starch left in sugars. But last several years, we've just been trying to beat the weather. Three years ago, we waited a little long, and some apples froze in the trees. Mm. That freeze came by. And then the next year, we got everything off, and that's when that bad freeze happened. Um, we had trees that, you know, they hadn't started to harden off yet and the trunks just split in half. I mean, they just oh, ex- man. exploded. Yeah. And the wine guys, my next door neighbor grows wine grapes up there and he lost almost everything. And the grapes just weren't, they weren't ready to go dormant yet. Yeah. So, we, so we've been sort of just picking, we're like watching the horizon and <laughs> we got to get them in. Yeah. That's, that's how we do it in grapes. Did someone come in? Somebody did come in. Hello. Yeah, I'll be right down. Yeah, go ahead. We'll take five for a growler refill. Be right back. <laughs> yep, welcome back to Denver Wine Radio. Sitting here with Brad Page, owner of Colorado Cider Company. Been around for a long time. I mean, in the cider world. And you, you'd mentioned what, 15 to 20 cideries now in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So, and they're, they're lumped in with the wineries because it's made under a winery license. Right. Yeah. So um, we, we had talked about this uh, last month or so. This is, we think there's 177 wineries, which right? includes uh, cideries okay. in that number in wow. Colorado now. So like in the cider world, You've seen growth, obviously, from you were number two, first one in Denver, and now there's 15 to 20 scattered around. And so what is it in the cider world? Would you like to see that double, that number double? Would that create more excitement around cider? Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, I think we're in a bit of a a trough, you know, if whether it's because we're really not in an apple growing area or there's so much competition for us in the can segment with uh, hard kombucha mm-hmm. and seltzer and all this stuff, this lower alcohol and yeah, you know, the consumers are young and moving around on what they drink. And I think in the wine industry, it's sort of mature. I mean, I didn't really become a wine drinker until a little bit later. I was a beer drinker obviously earlier. And so I think cider's, sort of been one of these things that it's trendy in a way, then it's had some market share taken away from it from these other things. 
But I, in the long run, I think it's here to stay because it's a traditional beverage. And I, I always say, you know, I can see in 10 or 15 years, there'll be trips to uh, Europe, cider trips, right? And there have been some, mm-hmm. but you're never going to have a, let's go to France where the traditional hard seltzer comes from because <laughs> it's basically made from sugar and artificial flavors. There's no historical background to it. I mean, cider has got a long, long pedigree. So. Right. Uh, maybe hard kombucha, I don't know. But, I mean, Let's, kombucha used to be a health drink that had no alcohol in it. I'm, I'm a little confused as to why that's a right a thing. Health, healthy alcohol. You could, <laughs> it's like Guinness used to have, uh, their advertising it used to be, Guinness is good for you. Those were the days. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there were some guys brewing uh, kombucha here down, like, in the complex. Right. Upstairs in one of the units. Things blow up. Uh, well, I th- I think they had a few issues, but um, and this was at least ten ten years ago, maybe twelve years ago. So I was curious about the product. I'd never really heard of it, but they were experimenting. Uh, didn't go anywhere with it. Uh, ultimately, the more I studied it uh, and tasted it, I didn't want any part of that inside the winery. That I didn't want that yeast strain in here. Well, yeah, to contaminate. Yeah, because I mean, so. it used to be live cultures and it was a, a digestive aspect to it and yeah it's not something yeah yeah you want around <laughs> and it's not my favorite you made, product <laughs> you made these guys uh walk through a sanitizer before they came in the winery yeah <laughs> that's that's the crooked stave guys for sure yeah, yeah. when they because they do all those brett beers but chad i think he has like dedicated lines right he's got clean lines and but i'm not sure how effective that yeah. is but I think we'd love more cideries. I just don't know where the market is for it now. I mean, right. some of the newer guys that have opened more recently have been more farm-based. There's quite a little scene down in the Four Corners over in uh, Delta County, Palisade and stuff. It's just that, you know, there's not a lot of apples grown in Colorado. And um, I don't know, it's a beer-crazy town, too. So, I mean, yeah. it's come a long way from when I started, but... Uh, there's a lot more players in there. So I think it's just going to take a lot longer. Yeah. Cause you've, you've been distribution has been part of your model for, yeah. since you started. Yeah. We weren't really retail oriented. I mean, I coming from the beer, the brew pub business, I really didn't want to be a bar. So that was probably a fatal mistake on my part, but <laughs> I think retail uh, makes a lot, a lot of sense, but uh, um, yeah, we just wanted to be a manufacturer and wholesaler. So. Yeah, you never, that's what my wife and I always said. We don't want to be a bar. And then, you know, the more we went along, the more we turned into a wine bar. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the margins are good. And that's why brew pubs work so well. But, you know, there was a period where the brew pubs sort of were on a downward trend and the and the manufacturing breweries were on an upward trend. And then this whole tasting room thing happened. We didn't have to have a restaurant. And so that was, you know, not having to have a restaurant, just selling beer over the bars incredibly profitable so that's why there was just an explosion in denver of of tasting rooms with breweries so um yeah and i think now in general for especially for the the wine industry the way i see it there's so many establishments just to go drink that you have to be if you are a winery in the city you have to operate like a wine bar you have to yeah it's the different. traditional tasting experience is just not there. No. If I don't have live music, if I don't do other things, then, you know, I'll get occasional, we get some people, you know, we get a, some tourists right, or a few other people, but uh, mostly, I mean, we've, we're, we've, we've built a community and that's, what's nice is bringing people together. So, right. so it's not, uh, it's not a bad thing. No, no. 
More power to you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. What else did you bring? Well, I brought the Kingston Black. So, um, what's that all about? Kingston Black is a variety of apple. The, it, there's a, a Haken cider here in, in Aurora makes some amazing ciders, and he's sort of looked at it from a wine standpoint, where he does a lot of single varietals. So it's just the one apple. Traditionally, ciders in over in Europe are blends because the, there are very few apples that have just the right acid mm. and pH blend. You sure, know, you have to blend. So um, Kingston Black is one that uh, has always been considered a single varietal, so the the balance is right in the apple. Daniel does amazing things with a bunch of single varietals, but this is the first one we've made just from this one apple. So these are bitter sharps, Kingston Blacks. Wow, this has a nice golden color yeah, to it. Yeah, it's really it's really nice. So the first year we kind of had a big enough harvest of the single one single. Wow, what it has a such a bright. Almost citrusy. Yeah, uh, it's a spicy, aroma. little bit of spicy. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a, like you think of like a North African orange or something. That's not a, not just a table orange, but it's got a kind of a spiciness to it. And that's what these all these apples all they have, they have a, such a different character. Um, this has been we've won some medals with this one, and this has been something we've been really proud of. This Kingston Black. Yeah, super flavorful, but. Man, then the uh, but dry and the acid is so good on the finish. Yeah, makes your mouth water. Makes you want to have another drink. Yeah, <laughs> makes me want to have fish and chips. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a nice cider. Wow, that's delicious. Man, I could I could become a cider drinker. I think. <laughs> yeah, the problem is there's not that much of these around, and uh, it's hard for the liquor stores to sell them. And yeah. So it's, it's pretty specialized things, but once people get into them, I mean, they're really into them. So and there's, you have this bottled in a or a seven fifty, yeah. and that's the that's a dilemma. I think is um, I mentioned Steve Wood earlier. He's gone to some trying to do some cans, but you know, once you get into a can, four pack is forty eight ounces of cider, and then the can thing has been just horrendous for everybody. If you're small, the price for cans have doubled in the last year. Yeah. So I don't know. I I look at these ciders as more like. Uh, something you have with a meal and you share it with friends. So the 750 to me makes sense because it's um, it's just it's not like a single serving cider. You gotta it's good with right. food. The acid's there. So I mean the Spanish have it down. They've got they have cheese and you know prosciutto or uh, jamón crudo or whatever. And yeah, you know it's just it's just the whole thing. So cider is just sort of an accompaniment to to that kind of food. Well, I'm digging it. This is awesome. Yeah, those are good. So right now we have. Uh, I think we have five Orchard Series ciders on tap at the tasting room. We have a Perry, so we make 100% pear from the Orchard. Um, we just put on what we call Page Street Blend from last year's harvest. We're about to put on uh, Wixen Crab, which is 100% crab apple. These crabs are they're bigger than, like, the normal Denver crabs you see. Okay. But, uh, but they're, they're pretty high acid. It's, it's uh, not as... Um, sharp as some, but that it's going to be really nice. And then this year it looks like we have a good fruit set. So we'll have more, more cider coming. Nice. Yeah. What about barrel aging in cider? Is that you know, a thing or? Yeah, it is a thing. We've done some, uh, we make a pomo, which, so we distill some cider. It's kind of like, I always describe it as a apple port. So it's a fortified cider. So we just take distilled cider, you know, which would, you know, if you age that in a barrel, it'd be brandy, like apple brandy or uh, calvados or something. And but we put it in with fresh apple juice and age it in barrels. 
we do some barrel aging. It's tough to me because it's so light bodied that the, especially um, we like rum barrels and white wine barrels Mm because they're, they're a little uh, less assertive, but if you get into like whiskey barrels and stuff, Mm. it's all you taste. Yeah. Um, So with this fortified cider, it's higher alcohol and the, and there's enough sugar in the apple juice that it can it can handle a little bit more barrel aging. But Katie, who's our one of our cider makers, really likes the barrel stuff. And I'm, I just say I'm an old guy, so all I taste is barrel. But uh, yeah. I mean, I think for certain applications, it's it's good. So we just uh, we work with Lenny up at Deerhammer in Buena Vista. We just sent him some cider to distill today, and so he sends us some whiskey barrels, and we do some stuff with that. So, oh, nice! That's yeah, fun. And that's stuff you you could get at the cidery, right? Yeah. That wouldn't be yeah. out on the shelf, but but you're around. Um, I mean, this, your cider's around statewide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're um, yeah everywhere, pretty much statewide. And uh, and you self distribute? No, we're with, get- we're with Elite Brands. We oh, okay, and then uh, High Country, the Coors distributor up north on the Western Slope. But uh, so yeah, it's been weird with out in the market. So in in during the pandemic, you know all of our, about half our sales were on premise restaurants and bars. And that wasn't just draft, that was cans too. So we lost half our business overnight. Mm. Almost all of our business is cans. And as things have started opening up, the draft has gone crazy and cans are, so the balance has changed again. So I guess it just shows people are getting out because our draft sales have really gone up, but uh, it's trying times in the, in the liquor, liquor world these days. Yeah. Especially from a cost. I mean, everything we everything we buy is so damn expensive. Uh, yes, I know. Yeah, everything is up, and uh, it's brutal. Yeah, but it's alcohol, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always have that the alcohol portion. We always have that. Okay. Thank you. What? Uh, okay, so what's coming up this summer? What's on? What's in the future for uh, Colorado Cider Company? Um, we'll work on a couple of uh, specialty ciders and um, trying to get the orchard in shape. Um, that's about it. Just plugging along. So, I mean, our tasting room is open on the weekends and we have, we have 20 ciders on tap. You know, one of the things we do every year is make a fresh hop cider. So we were working with a hop company in Paonia, um, and we get fresh hop flowers and do dry hopping. And we had four different one of those and he went out of business. He decided not to grow hops anymore. So he's gone. I think there's a guy in Montrose I've been talking to, but you know, for a while there, they thought the hop industry would work in Colorado. And I think Coors guaranteed purchase for some of these guys. Okay. But uh, that's kind of, who owns Miller Coors? It's another global beer corp thing. I think they, yeah. they didn't want to indulge the local, the local I, uh, native. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, native. So yeah. I don't know. Something happened with that. So although there's a bunch of those now. But um, anyways, our buddy at Highwire pulled up all his hop vines, so. Oh man. Yeah. The hop shortage, I mean, this was 10 years ago. There was a big hop shortage. Yeah. But it has, that's all. Well, yeah, there's not a hop shortage. I mean, I think the problem out. with Colorado hops is uh, they don't have access to some of the more popular, uh, the hop industry in the Northwest. Um, you know, they have patents on a lot of these hybrid hops and stuff. And mm-hmm. like everything, it's just more expensive to grow here. There's no economies of scale. So, you know, they were having a hard time competing. Well, all right. Um, well, hey, thanks for having me, Paul. That was fun. Yeah, thanks for coming down. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. 
I've got to keep, uh, I wish I hadn't missed a Chaka Khan night here. I don't know who's next. <laughs> oh man, we got, I have surprises coming up, yeah. uh, next for, you're talking about Vinny and Vinyl. That's our wine and record club. So yeah, Chaka Khan, good. That was a good, uh, good release this month. And, uh, Coming up next month, I have to put some thought into it and see, uh, okay. you know, what everybody, what everybody's requesting. We're licking our chops for uh, the Silk Sonic album release August twelfth, <laughs> so we'll have that one in the house. Okay, that's that's the Bruno Mars right, Anderson right. Pack uh, combo. But um, yeah, so thanks for asking, Colorado Cider Company. Man, they are the pioneers in in uh, in Colorado for cider. Available everywhere. Pick up some cider these days and um, and you'll be surprised. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Cheers. That's our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening to Denver Wine Radio. Your homework for the week is to go out and taste some Colorado wine. If you have any questions or comments or just want to let us know what you're drinking, go to denverwineradio.com where you can email us or leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, put some altitude in your glass. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.